Welcome to Reengage, where we rewatch TNG, a show we loved when we were younger, and now reengage episode by episode to see if it holds up to older eyes. This week, we reengage with season four, episode 19, Nth Degree, which brings back our favorite introvert, Reginald Barkley. It reminds us that the A in type A personality stands for a hole, and floating heads <laughs> didn't work in Nth Degree any more than they did in Quantum Mania. <laughs> Let's say hello to the Reengage Bridge crew. Miss Kate, how you do? Uh, I do fine. I do great. I do swell. It's good to be here with all of you. Uh, all your doings. Eric, how you do? The only part I liked in Quantum Mania was Modoc. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Not because it was good, just because I liked it. Greg, how you do? I oh I'm sorry I just was getting off the phone with Einstein. Uh, uh, everything's doing good. I'm uh, excited to talk about this. <laughs> if Grace was hosting the show, that's where your opening would have been. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're at start date four four seven zero four two point two, which is air date week of April first, nineteen ninety one. Greg, what was happening? There was a terrible thing that happened on April first. It not only was it April Fool's Day. But it was also the championship game for the 53rd NCAA basketball tournament, and Duke defeated Kansas. I'm sorry, Eric. Boo! Boo! <laughs> Boo! Boo! Everyone, Boo! Uh, everyone's favorite member of the Dream Team, Christian Leitner, uh, was the most outstanding player. Uh, it was terrible. I hated it. I was a UConn fan, as I've said, and they defeated, Duke defeated uh, them in the Sweet 16, I think, handily after uh, Christian Lander got won Boo! by a buzzer beater the year before. And then this is, this is still a year from the Kentucky, the shot that he does in 92. Anyway, it's a terrible thing, and I'm really pissed about it. <laughs> Leitner bite my ass. <laughs> uh, also on April 1st, uh, the U.S. minimum wage went up from $3.80 an hour to $4.25 an hour, and it has not gone up since then. <laughs> Basically. Son of a fuck. Still, still terribly minimum, minimum, minimum. Not good. Um, but what was uh, semi-good for space travel and exploration in our world on april 5th four days after this aired the space shuttle sts 37 atlantis 8 mission was launched from the kennedy space center and that one uh deployed the compton gamma ray observatory which everyone knows about and the uh um, uh, it was the first unscheduled eva in the shuttle program to deploy said uh Compton Gamma Ray Observatory's data antenna. Um, so a lot of a lot of complex detail there, but I just liked that it had to do with a uh, a, a exploratory station similar to what happens in this episode. So there is some some continuity there in my brain, and that's where it is. All right, Kate, sing us a song. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. Music, uh, Gloria Estefan, Coming Out of the Dark, mm. an amazing song that I am not going to try, actually. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, continues to be number one at the movies and on television. Juggernaut. Juggernaut, it is. Uh, on television, Katie Couric was designated as co-host of the Today Show on NBC. And that's all that was happening in pop culture. Total. Total. <laughs> Subtotal of culture around the world. April 1st. It was a bad year for culture. Uh, our director for this episode is Robert Legato. It was written by Joe Minoski. Uh, and from the Nemesic Files, we have a couple of things. So the writers and producers had for a while been looking for a way to bring Barkley back in 
to the fold. Uh, they grabbed hold of um, this script that had been floating around uh, for a little while. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, trouble getting this story written. Lots of people in and out. The final scene actually wasn't delivered until the final day of shooting. So they were changing things as they went along. Um, Jordy and Barkley Shuttlecraft is the Feynman, who is 1965 Nobel laureate physicist Richard P. Feynman. Um, and uh, he's credited for a whole bunch of things, thought of as one of the most brilliant minds of the 20th century, right up there with Einstein. Uh, he was on the Manhattan Project when he was a young man. Uh, and one of the more interesting things among the, the many contributions he had was he had 125 IQ which was um, quite impressive that he was in the league of people who are in the 180s up to 200s. Uh, so uh, kind of fitting for this episode in terms of Barkley and how he sort of fits in. And I've always heard it Feynman. Feynman, so is, you know, e I was wondering how to e say it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's no, another one you. of those wonderful Star Trek uh, Major Barrett type things yeah. that we have going I on. I knew I was saying it wrong, and I, I looked it up pronunciation, Major. and it didn't hit back with anything. So thank you. Feynman? Hey. Feynman? I think it's Feynman, but I don't know. F-E-Y-N-M-A-N. Yes. It. Yeah, okay. Feynman. Uh, he did a whole bunch of stuff. Look him up. He has a whole way of learning that is actually very uh, Buddhist in his mm -hmm. teaching. So uh, definitely a dude to check out. In terms of technobabble, uh, I don't know if you caught the ODN bypass, but that pertains to Optical Data Network, which is the Starship's multiplex data transmission system. Uh, and this is the thing that we see Ooh. later in the episode when Jordy tries to stop Barkley and he can't. The OD, uh, ODN failed. The ODN bypass failed. Uh, and then we have a Graviton concept. Um, this is how the uh, Scytherians, that's how we're going to say it, Scytherians, <laughs> uh, Scytherians, kidnap folks in this episode. It is not new. We have seen this Graviton concept used before, not too long ago in episode 184, The Loss. I don't know if you remember, but that's when Troy goes mind blind. Mm. Mind blind. And that's all I have from the Nimbusic files. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, uh, Eric, unless you have changed your mind, uh, you felt there wasn't much to hit upon for the uh, supporting actors, actresses? No. Okay. We've talked uh, about old Reg, and we'll talk about him again, because he's a MAGA fucknut. And uh, <laughs> we'll uh, just go right on from there, I figure. All right, so our opening scene uh, has a little bit of drama for us drama nerds. Uh, we got Barkley in Dr. Drama. Doing a little bit of Ooh. Serenio. What did you guys think about this uh, performance between the Doctor and Barkley? Kate. Well, it, very first as it comes, I was like, oh no, not again. Because I thought that this was uh, happening on the holodeck again. Oh, yes. And that we were going back to old habits. Yes. So when they panned to show an actual audience, I was relieved. You're relieved he hadn't fallen off the wagon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was also relieved that there was a theater in the Enterprise D. Mm -hmm. I did not know that, but uh, it looks like it's a repurposed uh, um, ten forward set or something. But what are their uh, breakout rooms? Right, <laughs> and and that <laughs> Doctor Beverly Crusher is like like the one who runs the theater workshops, uh, in addition to being the dance instructor and yes, doctor. Nice. <laughs> doctor Drama. And nice to know, it's a 99-seat equity house. <laughs> thrust. It's a thrust stage. <laughs> it is. No pay, but uh, tons of exposure. <laughs> well, and it's funny you mentioned the holodeck, because I thought, like, it's kind of odd that they're not on the holodeck, where you could just, you know, have yes. it have the holodeck make everything for you somebody came in and built that set also surprised that we didn't learn that one of the main bridge crew is also a set designer <laughs> one of their mini side habits you know like jordy is the set designer or even picard like yeah it's something i do in my spare time jordy would totally be the lighting designer please come oh, on yeah. you're right i'm sorry <laughs> he would absolutely be the lighting designer i did like uh well i mean i i don't like how how bad they made Barkley. Um, mm -hmm. Like there, there are ways to make someone a bad actor without doing this. <laughs> um, 
But at least if they're going to make him that bad, at least Worf is like, well, this is terrible. This is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. And, and Data's like, no, Worf's right. This is really bad. And, but I do love that Data's like, oh, God, he's like every fucking over, over serious actor. He's like, it's not bad because it's not bad, not good. It's bad because it's not based in the method. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, fuck the method, dude. <laughs> the method Data. people didn't even like the method. <laughs> yeah. Picard wasn't there, and you know he would have eviscerated uh, Barclay. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes. But was there this... are 12 levels in the scene. You only did seven. Why? <laughs> this is like some sort of a, a class uh, setting, right? Like we yes. learn later that they have, yes. like, it's, I, I kind of I love that. Like, <laughs> she absolutely. Morph, when are you going to stop by? Right, she's trying to get him to to sign up. I've heard that you it's haven't a, it's uh, truly heard Shakespeare until you've heard it in Klingon. <laughs> yeah, I uh, love it the does. bumbling. It feels like the graduation performance of acting one of yeah. Beverly's acting one group. And it's interesting. Um, I agree with you, Eric. It was a bit forced with Barclays. The, it was believable, but forced. But I think it was the actor's choice. I don't think anybody told him to do that. I think he he went there on his own it was his idea of this is how barkley does it and makes a pretty easy then distinction to what he becomes later because he's going from one extreme to the next um but i thought there was a real and, and i'll come back to you for that i thought there was a really nice distinction that um troy makes at the very end of this scene between escaping into fantasy and what theater is mm. because barkley tries to equate the two and she uh, she makes a nice distinction between the two, and I felt this might have been the nicest or the truest bit of counseling we've ever seen uh, mm. Troy deliver. Yeah, in front of the camera, anyways. What were you gonna say, Eric? Oh, just that uh, I'm perfectly happy to, to blame these uh, choices on uh, Dwight, uh, uh, as opposed to anybody else involved. We'll just hang those around his neck and move on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Did you? Wait, is it hard to act badly? Like I've heard people say that about singing. Like it's hard to sing in a, if you know how to sing to sing badly in this way. And I felt like he actually kind of verged into clowning a little bit here. Like yes. he was so bad that it was. You know, he's Not bumping into clowning. things, hitting his his <laughs> head on the on the, like he was worried about his hair falling in front. Like, w was that harder to do, or was he just yeah, like you were saying, Eric? Because this was amateurish. I just think he he went he went too far. Like, you don't need to go that far to show us that he's uncomfortable or bad. Like, yeah, he's he's bad. But, like, real people who are just trying to act for the first time aren't bad in that way. They're bad in a different way. I just mm. found it to be kind of un, uninspired. Yeah. I mean, like, from my point of view, a bad acting could be somebody who they do the whole thing where they're reaching out in front of them because it's like, it's almost as if I could touch it. And so they have to let us know <laughs> right. touch it. And there's a scene very in this same episode, this episode later on, where uh, Dwight does a very bad bit of acting. And he doesn't know it, or he, he wouldn't be aware of it, and we'll talk about it uh, when we get there. All right, so now I we're like off that. to the Argus Array. And I got to say, I thought this thing looked super cool. Uh, the shots of it and just the way it was lined out, uh, I loved the look of it. Um, but when you get a broken telescope and a pill-shaped probe, it's no bueno. You know things are about to go to shit. Uh, I mean, what did you guys think about this opening? You know, we come in and we see this. This uh, this array, which is you know basically the future version of our telescopes now, you know, like this is a gigantic telescope out in space. I definitely don't know how it's a telescope, um, but I agree with you. I love the the geometric patterns and the fact that it was a uh, interesting like object in space, and I loved the setup of it being like, you know, obviously we don't want our heroic enterprise people having to go around and and, and fix. Uh, broken space stations all the time, but I kind of like that it was a little bit of a benign thing that they were attempting to do. Like, hey, this thing's been out of whack for a couple of months. Let's go check it out and fix it. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, I think that naming it and designing it as an array is is really neat. Like, it to me, that implies that it's a bunch of different lenses that the computer then puts into a situation where they can take an even more 
uh, effective several dimensional uh, photograph uh, as as it goes and mm. so having it look kind of like a very long section of pontoons put together was like super interesting I you know you, you try and come up with the reasons like was it built clearly assembled in space so it has those little connectors and things like that that everything might have gone up individually and then you know, that's where my brain goes with with all of these yeah. different things so see, seeing it in a shape that I haven't seen before or since was really neat. I agree. Yeah, super cool. Um, and then, you know, Reggie was in the beginning. Reg was in the beginning, the opening of the show. So um, when he's when they need somebody to tag along to help out, he's sort of like the guy who's around. Uh, and you mentioned there's a party tonight and you weren't going to invite them. And now that you said it out loud, you have to invite them. So Jordy's like, hey, Reg, why don't you join me for uh, this little trip? over um and there's a great bit of techno babble here as they are um jordy is trying to figure out what's going on uh and he's like do you use this use that and then he drops neutron destrometer and i'm like you bet your ass i'm gonna try that out <laughs> uh, it, didn't work. it didn't work and jordy is super thirsty here he's like oh it's not working all right let's try this no okay and that didn't work and then he's like mm, this guy's not around from this neighborhood just, he's he's into it and i just love that you know the the breaking down in a little gentle moment between the two of them where uh barkley says thank you for inviting me to the party i know you were going to but <laughs> thanks jordy yeah, there was a little bit of like, welcome to the big boy league here. This yeah. is where we deal with crazy problems and all of the fun stuff and the in the bridge crew where the senior right. officers you get to be have a little right. taste of it. This is what we that's why we're in Starfleet, is to look at right. arrays like this. Look at this hot, right. sexy array that you get to check out. You might say he was welcoming him to the A team. But <gasps> oh. that just thought of that. <laughs> I will say that I that I love that Jordy waxes all rhapsodic about you know this is why I'm here and then the very next thing that doesn't work he 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 his his language kind of changes like hit him with some neutrinos then it like becomes kind of aggressive he's like they're not they're not responding at all smack him just smack him a little bit <laughs> it's kind of fun well yes they smack him and then aggression begets aggression bright light. Uh, and then we got to wait until after the credits to find out if Barkley uh, went from uh, Mugwai to Gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the longest teasers in Star Trek history, too. I think it was like seven and a half minutes. And I started to be like, is this have, did I miss the credits? Did I forget right. the it's credits? It's three scenes, I, I right. think, right? It's really long. Three whole scenes. OK, so after the really long opening scene, uh, we get our credits and we come back um, and the probe starts moving towards the ship. So it's, uh, you know, shields up, uh, but there's no red light until after Barkley shows that he's not a gremlin, but a super smarty pants. And he's telling Dr. Drama how to do stuff. Uh, and as my oldest daughter, Ella would say, Dr. Drama gives him the bombastic side eye. <laughs> and it's the first of many little things uh, from the crew, which I brought up in my opening about uh, type A means a-hole, because everyone's a little pissy with Barkley. And I know he's comes on a bit strong at first, but I mean, everybody on this crew has been in a situation where somebody's taken over by an alien, impregnated by an alien, <laughs> transformed molecularly into an alien like they all get it like they should have done okay we need to give everyone some space here he just got hit with bright light we don't know what's happening but nope they're like he must be a dick which just goes to show how pervasive his incel messaging has been for quite some time Everyone has had this conversation with him already where he learns the first thing about your job and then tells you how to do it. Uh, so it's not quite uh, breaking through like it does to Jordy later that this isn't the normal Barkley. Yeah, right. I was going to say the same thing, Erica. The, the moment he turns to tell a woman how to do her job, you know, I was like, oh. nope, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, good point. 
good point. And Crusher's uh, just like, what the heck? Like, you know? Yeah. Like, just what? all rolled eyes and... <laughs> I liked him better when he was a, just a bumbling a-hole. Uh, now, he's, now he's a, uh, uh, a big, bigger prick than he was before. Great. That's some growth there. Well, it is there. a little bit different. You know, like in the, his, his holodeck ones, he's aggressive when he's by himself and talking down. And this one, he's still a little bit... Um, I don't know. Uh, he's still a little bit nervous as he's explaining yeah. what you might be able to do, but still loud and a, a bit aggressive, uh, but not like I'm the the, the alpha. Uh, but he's Kendall. Uh, from I, I didn't succession. think about it, but yes, he should have like, <laughs> approached it differently than mansplaining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we see the uh, pill probe is pursuing the Enterprise but there's no known uh, propulsion going on, uh, which is super cool that there is this sci-fi thing where it's moving as fast as we are, and yet it has no engines and no energy signals. So there's some dark magic going on. <laughs> and I like how initially they just put it in reverse. <laughs> yes, that's the same thing. It's like if it's serious, maybe you should turn around and haul ass, buddy. <laughs> Don't backpedal. Beep. Beep. Yes, Beep. exactly. Uh, but the music was great. Very tense, very drama-filled uh, music going on as the pill is uh, pursuing them. I love that you're calling it a pill because that's much better than what I kept seeing it as, which was a giant suppository. Just... Uh, <laughs> now I got train spotting in my mind. You're welcome. <laughs> Really, pills and suppositories serve the same purpose. It's just a matter of taste. <laughs> Preference. Uh, and then it's, it's, so in the next scene, um, we see that the rest of the crew is just as aggressive as Jordy when things don't work out. So Worf <laughs> fires, it fires the phasers. And Worf and Riker here both have very unnecessary comments because... Uh, Warp fires the phasers, and then he lets us know uh, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> As we're looking at it not working. Uh, and then um, Riker, after they amp it up as much as they can uh, and fire, Riker goes, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite is they decide not to do photon torpedoes because they're too close to an explosion. So Warp... Uh, you know, as a better option, says, how about phasers on full? It's like, okay. <laughs> right, our Reg, he increases the shields 300%, and that's how they're able to fire the torpedoes without damaging uh, the Enterprise, because the ships are, the ship's shields are now 300 times stronger. And I wonder, did that stay? I mean, was his fix like now they're just 300 times stronger or did that go away too? It was like, yeah, it's, this is going to last for two minutes and then we can never do it again. It's a good question. I don't think uh, a lot of those things are not really resolved in <laughs> right. this episode, but we'll get right. to that. Uh, all right. So Reg has figured it out and can't be bothered explaining it to simpletons, uh, figuring out how to increase it 300%. So he just jumps in and does it uh, to uh, Jordy's great consternation. And that kind of that upsets Jordy because now he's not the top dog, right? He's not the number one engineer. He just got surpassed. Um, and he like called the captain like on his own. He's like, uh, "Hey, captain, yes, do what I say." Right. And I think that was the chain of command was not respected there. I think that kind of pissed LaForge off. But then again, when you're uh, so smart, you're not even human really anymore. What do you do? Got to jump command, right? <laughs> I guess. And then you put the lasers in your brain. Uh, not yet, but that's the fun part. <laughs> All right, so not fixing the Argus would be an incalculable scientific loss, as Picard puts it. Um, and then Reg explains how he was able to uh, increase the shields 300% to Riker. And Riker, or Jonathan Frakes, has a lot of fun leaning into dumb, dumb Riker. <laughs> yes. he's he doesn't give get much in this episode so where he can he just chews on the set uh and i thought he had fun with that line where he was like yes that's what i thought <laughs> or no he says yes i could see that yeah i believe him that's why he's such a good poker player uh and then we get our first meeting 
Um, and so our usual dynamic duel of Jordy and Data are presenting, you know, what they think they should do and what could happen, but it's going to take, uh, you know, a thick, like three days in, you know, Barkley's like, I disagree. I think I could do it in two days. And everybody's like, what do you mean? Explain yourself. Like, there you Riker yells at him. <laughs> what do you guys think about this scene? It definitely had the Mean Girls vibe of, you don't even go here. Because <laughs> kind of why is he in that meeting in the first place, right? Like, like yeah. yes, he did an amazing thing, you know, with the 300% and et cetera. But uh, yeah, they, yeah. But <laughs> Listen, guest star. Right? <laughs> this place isn't for you. This is for the regulars, Reg. <laughs> Reggie. Um, yeah, but his his whole demeanor there is really off. And I get that he doesn't even really explain how he's going to do it. They just kind of were like, all right, he's going to do it in two days. Great. And let's try it out. Um, he doesn't even really. He That's, I think, the, one of his this character's uh, uh, growth problems is that he doesn't explain how he knows all of this or how he's he's getting any of it and it's a little bit on the the crew of the uh, enterprise to be like why are they even listening to him right? there's got to be something else going on there's got to be an impregnated alien inside of him <laughs> <laughs> which wouldn't be weird for them <laughs> it's just another day on the calendar but it also makes like, him a good actor yeah well and i kind of like that he doesn't explain in that he is annoying because it's it's a one way of looking at your intelligence is accelerating faster than you can comprehend. It may be faster than your body can physically keep up with. Like he's, he, he's saying something, but he's already 15 moments ahead or a, a day ahead in terms of where his mind is and his mouth is saying something <laughs> that he thought about a while ago. Um, but them not delving into that is always something that Star Trek, you know, they have, 50 minutes with commercials to deal with these things. And so they're like, that's not important. Cut that. Get <laughs> this out of here. Get to the uh, monologue then, of Serrano de Bergerac uh, that right, goes right. on for 70 minutes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, and then at the very end, I thought one of the, what I thought was the biggest FU was uh, right. Or uh, Reg is like, and you can assist me, Jordy. Right. <laughs> and Jordy even was like, right. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. He's like, sure. Uh, as long as you're on time. <laughs> uh, and then, so we see Troy. This is our first, first glimpse. Troy is sus. She yeah. doesn't think this is right. There's something going on with Reggie that everybody sees. <laughs> That's what they're at him. They're like, we know, Troy, there's something up with him. Uh, but... You know, the camera lingers on so that uh, we know she's special. Um, so back under or back at the theater, Reg gives his rousing <laughs> performance. Uh, Bev is moved to tears. Uh, <laughs> Kate, what do you think? I wrote about, uh, I wrote down now he is on the stage and we are led to believe he is acting incredibly well. <laughs> like there was a lot. <laughs> There was a lot of impetus on everybody else for us to be like, oh, this time he's good. I'm, okay. Well, because he's not bumping into stuff. Well, obviously. <laughs> That's how you know. And his, his hair isn't in the way. Right. Yes, his hair is. <sighs> I also like. It out. I also like that for some reason, Troy is auditing the class, maybe. Like, she just happens to be. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I did think he had some um, warm confidence after the scene when he's accepting the praise that he's given. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, and I thought that was a nice bit from uh, Dwight there. He almost um, like clicked his heels on the way out. He was like, oh, <laughs> that was nice. Uh, but Troy, again, she's not buying it. Something is up. There's no way you go from bumping and blowing hair out of your face to just nailing a, a <laughs> monologue like that. And then what Insides is? Insides are telling her it's wrong. And then Barclay's response is, "Hey, you want to smash?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. I'm different, yes. but yes. 
Yes. Let's go to the Arboretum and fuck, and then we could talk about it some more. Let's do it in the shade. Yeah. I love that the writers have basically assumed that that's what the Arboretum now means. And all <laughs> we we uh, saw that happening, and now I think the writers are like, yeah, that's what that means, right? It's code. Arboretum. Arboretum. <laughs> well, and I like the fact that she doesn't fall for it, but she also doesn't not fall for it. Or, right? right? Like, right. there's a moment of like... Hmm, good she game. A, she's like, <laughs> she's like, I have been to the Arboretum before. <laughs> it's a nice place. <laughs> Riker hasn't called me in a hot minute. And so. look, he is like expelling big dick energy all over, the, you know, ten forward at that point. <laughs> yes, the spores because of the suppository. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So after <laughs> Ten Forward, uh, we cut to engineering, and Barkley is late for oh, work. Motherfucker. Son of a bitch. Not the first time, and not the first time he's late, and the computer says he's in Hollow 3. Oh, so Not again. Not that's again. his holodeck. Like that's... And Jordy is pissed. And I don't know if they, had a, they put in a hardwood floor all of a sudden, but you could hear his little cleels clicking all the way out of engineering. Just, wait till I see you, buddy. Um, and then when we get to Hollow 3, Reg is there with uh, Einstein. He's working stuff out. Uh, and great bit of future continuity. This is the same Einstein that we're going to see later on. Uh, oh, that's fun. Scene, I, so it actor. still should have been Leah Brahms. <laughs> <laughs> like, they missed an opportunity Jordy would have been super pissed. Yeah. Like, that's my program. They missed a real that opportunity there. And they were making out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they just, like, look at the... Oh, so I didn't know you were going to be here. We must yes. have lost track of time. A burrito, my ass. So the Albert Einstein bit is funny just because it seems like they're like, they're, they're, oh, he's on the same level with Albert Einstein. Get it? Get it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and not even yes. like a real Einstein, but a holographic Einstein, <laughs> Einstein that definitely is not doing new physics. Um, like, right. like we'd assume From Einstein 400 would. years ago. Yeah. Oh, it's just amazing. Uh, all right. So uh, Jordy uh, is, you know, he's he basically comes like, look, there's something going on here. <laughs> you definitely don't have conversations with Einstein at his level. Like all of a sudden, you're this smart. Come on, Barkley. And Barkley has a a very weak defense for somebody who's supposedly as smart as he is now. He's like, why can't you just be happy for me? Too? Why are you always acting so messed up towards me? Can't just let me be me and finally be the person that I want to be. He's like. Dude, nobody's this smart right away. Like, you got to get it checked out. So what if I'm Bradley Cooper from Limitless, all right? It's it's fine. Right. It's not going to blow up or be weird in any way. Yeah. So uh, Barkley listens. He goes to uh, sick bay, and we learn that his IQ is basically an SAT score. <laughs> He's got like 1,500 IQ, uh, you know, in which at this at this point, these things, like, they should never be surprised. Like, they should just go in and say, you're probably super smart. We're just going to find out to make well, sure. Well, Jimmy, he has uh, the neurotransmitters in increasingly permeability phase, and they're going through yeah. uh, <laughs> this fucking reaction by Beverly and the words that she puts together make me so happy. And, <laughs> well, and he's the smartest person ever, yeah. right? I mean, that's what they say. Like, you're probably the smartest person ever. Right, Jordy does not like that. (laughs) He's like, that was me. That was me. Is a little jealous, and he doesn't have feelings. (laughs) He's like, wait, they're clapping for his performance, and he's smart. Like, (laughs) don't you remember when I was a Henry Five? (laughs) I slayed that role. I played the violin too. Nothing. (laughs) My paintings. That's right. Um, and so we cut to another meeting where they're like, oh, should we lock him up? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Serious debate. Of course, Worf's like, yeah, put his ass in jail, man. We don't know what he's going to do. Again, uh, Worf being the, actually the smartest person on the ship because he's like, 
what, this is clearly an intelligent uh, uh, messing with uh, one of our player, uh, one of our crew members. There, we should put him up. We should make sure that everything's okay and safe. Yes. I mean, no, a clipboard has never been more useful, but it could have been in that moment where he just goes down the list. <laughs> <laughs> Here's all the times we've been taken over by other entities, and how every time they have tried to screw us in some way or another. <laughs> <laughs> Lock them away. Also, by the way, you ignored my warnings in each one of these instances. <laughs> and I ended I up like getting my it... ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I like that as they're looking for threats, the only thing they can come up with is, well, he hit on me. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for reminding us that. And he did a pretty good job. I did a pretty good job. <laughs> and they use that specific. And Crusher's like. like mm. That specific term made a pass at. Which certainly has left the popular lexicon between then and now. Uh, yeah, right. Oof, so amazing. A pretty good one, too. Yeah. And Riker is like, hmm, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, no shit. It hackles. I'm suddenly interested in you again. Well, we get that great moment on the way out where he's he asks her, like, so was he successful? And all she does is smile. Mm, that's right. Mm. I did not tell you whether it was successful or not. Because it's, it's none of your business. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Susanna Lightman. <laughs> <laughs> Suze. Uh, all right. So then um, back to the Argus. Things are not going well. Uh, it's escalating, in fact. And it's going to blow up. And we get a clock. Because they have 10 minutes. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. Before it blows. <laughs> so they got to fix it or they got to be out. Or they're going to be in the wake of that big-ass explosion. Uh, and, of course, Reg escapes to the holodeck where he builds the best chair ever. Amazing. Uh, and we have kind of a brilliant cutaway, I think, where they say we have to do something to shut it all down. And, uh, or no, he's telling the computer, this is what I need. And the computer's like, uh, that doesn't exist. And he's like, no problem. This is how you build it. Yeah. And it cuts away. And then you don't have to show it. Yeah, we don't yeah. have to show how he tells the computer using spoken yes. language how to build a piece of technology right. that's never existed. Uh, right. <laughs> Just, it's the best play ever. Take my word for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Reg saves the Argus. And in so doing, he takes Majel's job from her. Yeah. No more Majel for a little That's while. She's shit. been displaced by Barkley. But then we get that great shot, that reveal shot of going from the top of this machine that he was just describing to the computer how to make, and that that reveal over the entire machinery. I loved this prop. It was done yeah. so well. It reminded me of like all the Tron stuff, yeah. Eric. Like It was... Yeah. So cool, and it made sense to me somehow that, like, oh, yeah, he created this neural interface that no one's ever had before. That's why he doesn't move his mouth when he's talking, because he is the computer. We'll talk about that, too. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved it, too. I wrote lasers, <laughs> all caps, exclamation point. <laughs> just one? Just one exclamation point? Just one, but I wrote it out. <laughs> the text. That's how written. powerful it was for me. I'm trying to think of a better, like, ask for forgiveness, not permission move in Star Trek than mm. Barkley just taking over the entire thing and and not telling anybody until it's over. <laughs> like, right? that's just very much, I'll take care of it. I'm sure nothing will go wrong with me just doing that. Yeah, I agree. And then um, we find out pretty quick. Uh, everyone runs to the Holodeck 3 because uh, Holodeck 3 is his place. We all know. Um, Don't turn a black light on him. hangs there. out. And they're like, okay, he took over the ship. He's now the voice of the ship. Picard's like, nah. -uh. <laughs> I can't hear this all the time. They go down to confront him. Uh, and we find that he's bound to it. He's, he's interwoven with the fabric of the computer and himself and disconnecting will kill him. In my laugh out loud moment, 
literally laughed out loud is as he's describing this to people with his God voice, he still has to create or, or to make his eyes go sideways to look at the people in the room so that they know that the God voice is actually directed at them. <laughs> <laughs> and this is bad acting. That's bad the bad acting, acting choice? Or both, because we, don't, we know who you're talking to. Hmm. You don't have to take your disembodied or the disembodied voice is enough. You don't need to put your eyes towards us for us to know who it's directed to. Or just put a okay. swivel in the chair. Really. <laughs> I mean, you're not so smart. It's it's you're very so smart it's, after it's all. very act two of our town and it does not work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm gonna be the the one dissenting voice. I actually liked that bit because it was very disconcerting. It didn't feel real, and that's why it worked for me. It was because no, there was no reason for him to do that. But that's what made it strange, right? Like I think if he was just stiff and was just there, it wouldn't feel as uncanny valley. Well, it felt like bad actor to me. <laughs> hey. Like, I need to move my body so you know that I'm doing stuff and it's not just a voiceover. Anyway, so he didn't get the Grammy that he was hoping for. <laughs> for that for that album that he came out with? I don't know. <laughs> the Grammy? <laughs> they give Grammys for VO. Uh, all right. Uh, so they go into a meeting to, to discuss how can they get rid of Barca? How can they uh, disconnect him or otherwise take control of their impulse engines, which he has control of? And this is where ODN bypasses dropped in that meeting as a way of uh, how they might be able to do that. Uh, and then Jordy, like, pulls out an old school engineering uniform from his cosplay closet or something uh and then takes a little stroll on his knees through the jeffrey tubes which is always cool to see um and it kind of <laughs> to me the scene because he's talking to reg uh while he's going through and it seemed like one of those cop scenes where it's like keep him on the phone we haven't completed the trace <laughs> uh, <and> he's just <laughs> talk <laughs> talking to him uh, while they're trying to, you know, like data, data's trying to get everything going. Um, and it's any takeaways of, from these last few scenes with them and the ODN and the, the tubes? Well, it seemed really pointless if it is that trace thing, because if he is the computer, he would have the sensors to know that there's someone in the Jeffrey's tube who's going to be making the bypass thing. And they make a big deal about saying, like, turn off the audio. Turn off the audio so right. that the computer can't hear. And you're like, but you're actually talking to him over the audio while you're doing the thing that will that he doesn't want to have happen. So like it doesn't really work. But yeah. I also really enjoyed that this was a callback. It felt to like a 2001, right? Like the crawling pipe, you know, you I don't think you want to do that right now type of thing. But taking away the best part of 2001, which was that Hal knew the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Side note, just to say that I once ran a, an audition for youth theater and a kid got up and said, today I'm going to be doing a monologue from 2001 A Space Adventure. I'll be playing the part of Hal. <laughs> and they just stood up there going, what are you doing, Dave? Dave, 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 what are you doing, Dave? I would love to have seen Hire that. Hire that kid. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, it was genius. Oh, I love so it. Good. Seriously good. Uh, all right. So uh, it, back in Holodeck 3, um, Reg has got this big idea. He's like, yo, I'm about to do some stuff that you've never seen before. I'm going to blow your mind. And Picard is like, mm, <laughs> I don't think so. Let's not do this. Uh, uh, actually, Picard's over the bridge when he does this. So Troy runs down to Holodeck 3 to try and talk some sense into uh, Reg. It doesn't work. Uh, and interesting, uh, she at the end, she was like, the captain will do everything in his power to stop you. <laughs> Which, I don't know if you want to poke the bear. Right? <laughs> at that moment. Right? Yeah. What did you guys think? I like that he says he doesn't believe in warp anymore, right? Like, which basically, like, of course they're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking? Even if he's right, which I think he ends up being right, right? Because he yeah. plays with subspace and, like, gets them. But, like, too much too soon, right? Like, I don't believe in gravity. 
Right, right. I don't believe in vegetables, so <laughs> I'm just going to have sausage. Yeah, it, the, the kind of bullshit that he comes up with in moments like that really make you think of these CEOs that just promise whatever the fuck they want and then leave it to the engineers as to whether or not it can actually be done and nobody gives a shit about the Musk. Promise. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely describing one person in particular. <laughs> I, but it's a very common thing right now, kind of top down. Well, and then once uh, Troy does poke the bear, we get laser, uh, angry lasers, right? Like the lasers just go crazy behind him. He's like, and I like a big F you and laser talk. It was like the Whopper, the Whopper from uh, War Games. It was like, oh, no, it's going faster now. It knows you're there. It knows you're there. One note about the the lasers, though. I, again, I love this whole that whole set and that whole um, uh, way that they did it. But it was practical. Those lasers were all done on mm, set yeah. as they were doing it, yeah. and it you know they didn't do it at all in, in post. And I think it's better because of it. And it's yeah, yeah. Also better because if you're having like a human uh, uh, machine interface, the easiest thing to do would just be the Borg, right? Like the plugging in into the right. head. And I'm just so glad that they chose to do something more strange and 60s yeah. sci-fi that there was oh no the lasers are talking and that's what is the interface uh i just wanted to know how cool it is and it looks yeah, yeah. good because the lighting designer majority yeah that's why they did you could tell they were hitting behind his head yeah because uh, they, they're real lasers <laughs> they couldn't fry Dwight's head. It's a shame. But that's why he is the way he is to this day, because yeah. they did fry his head they, a little bit. They got bit. a little close, too close. To the sun. Uh, and then, so, of course, Worf's team has to go um, to confront him. And, you know, <laughs> Worf's like butterflies in the stomach because he never wins fights. <laughs> uh, um, and then <laughs> he shows up, and, of course, you know, they get uh, – they get bamboozled by some um, from force fields. Just can't get to them. And um, the whole and, time, and, Worf is like, "I fucking told you." So. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the Not clipboard. Work. Add it to the clipboard. I told you. It was moments after too uh, <laughs> that it happened. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time that Worf is once again <laughs> getting his ass kicked, we get a pretty cool visual of. The Enterprise stretching into the yes. red cloud uh, and then them going into it in this cool visual effect, um, which I mean, come on, Greg, is this Star Trek acid trip? Like, is this where it started? It feels very Star Trek acid trip, doesn't it? Which is odd because I don't think there's any shots no. from this episode <laughs> in no. Star Trek acid trip. Because I, I was taking my very own acid party. Like, I was <laughs> yes. like... It's very disconcerting. It is. It actually reminded me too in, in Guardians of the Galaxy too, where they go through too many jumps at a time and their brains start to like stretch and right. move. It's like, oh, that was oh, right. I think probably inspired by this too, right? Yeah, it is. It's and it goes on for a long time. It's like a minute and a half. It yeah. feels like them being like, what are we doing? I feel yeah. like there was a lot Which of I filler really... in this one. Uh, three seconds here, five seconds here. Uh, <laughs> I mm. feel like they got oh, done and they're like, right. well, we, guys, we still got four minutes. And they went back and stretched <laughs> everything by six or seven seconds. And poor Michael Dorn has to act in this moment. He's coming yes. up in the turbo lip and he's like, phasers didn't work. You're making me give this type of exposition right. in this scene. What? Well, kudos for him for making his way from Holodeck 3 to the bridge while they're jumping 30,000 light years. Like, that's it, it, commitment. It's a long trip. While I dropping, out where I was. You know, I was like, While Sorry. dropping five sheets of acid at the same time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, okay, so they come out, and they're 30,000 light years away. The center of our galaxy. Um, uh, pretty cool. I mean, the Voyager would have liked to have had some of the technology. <laughs> <laughs> so they could have gotten back. Um, and, and this is where we find our floating head. <laughs> the laziest explorers that have ever existed. I love it. They don't even get off the couch, man. Uh, what, what do you guys like think about the floating head? DoorDash Explorer. I love that. I, I, I love how fucking... 
just like pure research he is. He doesn't care what they think of him. Yes. Any of that stuff. He's just like, oh, oh, it talks. <laughs> oh, that's so neat. <laughs> and then what what we say to him is almost beside the point. He's just like, oh, that one has a big forehead. <laughs> and this one, <laughs> like, it's, it's just delightful. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this particular explorer. Uh, well, I like it in those terms, yeah. yeah. When you explain it that way, it, it is enjoyable. Uh, I, I'm not sure I liked the effect or how they presented <laughs> no. this being that can, uh, you know. But he's a Mary Poppins character people. suddenly on Star Trek, and I'm for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. With little uh, little hair braids yeah. throughout his hair. <laughs> and the uh, the the writers were saying that at some point there this was more of a sinister yes right character right it was yeah. like he was he they were they were trying to kidnap and and do this and they they moved away from that because they thought that was that was too tropey. Uh, for sci-fi they're like mm, i don't know that's that's too far right well and they didn't have time right if that would have went that way they would have had to reveal that sooner so they could have then come up with a solution to beat them rather yes. than oh everything's good <laughs> there is something i love about the fact that they spend 10 days there too yes because there's absolutely like that m makes it work for me like the whole the whole you know them bringing them i, I don't know there's just something so nice about that as a full circle is is them taking the time to like fully understand these people i don't know i like it i absolutely agree and it all it was was a sentence yeah in the script and i wish they would have done that many times i brought it up in the last episode you don't have to delve into a subject but sometimes just one little bit of uh, a, a dialogue lets us know we took care of it in this way um and, and like you said 10 days. Great. That's satisfying that it took you 10 days to exchange knowledge. Now you're back on your way. Did you happen to get the technology? <laughs> yeah. And see, that's my they big takeaway from this is like, what did we learn? He didn't learn anything yeah. except that Barkley can disengage himself from the CDN laser machine right. um, and go back to somewhat normal life. Somewhat normal. Yeah. So. He's back at uh, uh, Ten Ford with Troy. Um, we learned that he is indeed going to get his walk on the Arboretum. Ooh. So mm -hmm. who knows mm -hmm. what that means? Uh, and then, you know, he has to interject on somebody else's game. And he says, checkmate in nine moves. Which is great if you're going to stick around for the other eight. <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't know how to get there in eight moves. <laughs> like you just fucked up my game, man. <laughs> it's rude. And it mansplaining too, right? Like why don't go into someone's game and just be like, this and, is how you play and it. And he was either like, may I, or do you mind or whatever? I'm like, yes, they're playing chess. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, you don't get to just walk up and finger a piece out of the way. Like, what are you fucking doing? Right. And this is the exact opposite of what you brought up, Kate, about like, uh, we spend 10 days exchanging knowledge saying checkmate in nine moves doesn't show that you're smart right? <laughs> because again we have to see the eight moves so that you get the checkmate just moving a piece <laughs> and saying checkmate in nine moves it's uh it, you're it's obtuse counterpoint <laughs> um that's not what i learned in queen's gambit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but she was a drug addict and that was See? <laughs> I usually just that was a comedy. I usually just not. do three or four moves and then say checkmate in eleven moves. And if they can't see it, then I'm not going to show them. <laughs> then you lose. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that was the nth degree, Greg. What did you think about that? Final I, thoughts? even though we've been pretty jokey about this episode, I was enamored with it as I was watching it. I really enjoyed uh, this return to this character. Uh, I thought it was an original way. I mean, this the, he was so great in the uh, Hollow Pursuits episode, and we talked about the uh, um, the way to interpret that uh, uh, episode last season as something different, and I liked this one kind of subverting a, a lot of the tropes that were created in that episode for this one, and uh, it was fun. Uh, I thought the 
problems that were put forward were ones that we don't normally see all the time, right? And and even the solution to it being just like, hey, we were just trying to learn more stuff and we're not, you know, we're just more bubbling scientists that are super smart and have floaty heads um, was interesting because it wasn't, you know, a, a typical adventure sci-fi thing where they had to blast out with uh, laser beams out of their phasers and whatnot. So I am going to give it... Seven blue lasers only. I only like the blue ones. I did not like the green or the red lasers. Uh, yeah, good times. I enjoyed it. And as always, it was really fun to chat with it with you folks. Uh, Kate, what did you think? Uh, I'm going to give it six and a half giant metal suppositories. <laughs> <laughs> um, what happened to the other I, half? Yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I think that it's not, you know, a revolutionary story. Uh, like if you, sometimes we talk about like, if you only have so much time to watch episodes, make sure you watch this one. This this doesn't count up there with the episodes that I think that you have to see in order to fully appreciate TNG. Um, I think it's a lovely uh, corollary to the other uh, Barkley episode, though. So if you are familiar with that episode, like this makes a nice juxtaposition to that so we can see sort of those two sides of him. But there are, you know, it's an interesting concept um, that sci-fi loves, the what happens when somebody's brain sort of overreaches its limits. So I'm, I'm glad that we got to experience one of those with a character that uh, was such an underdog before uh, because we get to see that, you know, from from zero to hero kind of uh, thing that then goes to make a little maniac very quickly, which I think also ruminates somehow. So, yeah, six and a half giant metal suppositories. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Mr. Curry, I, what do you think? I think I'm going to give it uh, six first-year acting classes. Um, <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm almost never happy with the characterization of acting classes in uh, narrative fiction or uh, performance like this. Barry's pretty good. <laughs> uh, um, this is pretty interesting that your teacher gets in full costume with you and is your scene partner for your final thing. Either he doesn't have anyone in his class who wants to be his scene partner or Beverly is like everybody's scene partner. And I'm not sure which one I like less. <laughs> but uh, Although she did look striking in that scene. She's great. I love everything I about Gates McFadden and her theater and dance background. Uh, I, I like any opportunity to have her deal with that in the body of the episodes. I just question her ability as an acting teacher. Uh, not not Gates McFadden, but Beverly Crusher. Um, but yeah, six. I, I thought it was uh, an episode with, with strengths and weaknesses. Um, I don't know that I need to go back and rewatch it anytime soon. All right. Um, I like the episode. Um, one of my favorite things about uh, serials is when a... Um, a, a a non-regular character gets to come back multiple times. And I remember this as a, a kid, especially, um, and even a young adult when I was watching this. Uh, it was cool anytime you saw a character that only visits, that's only there sprinkled throughout, like our upcoming one with Q. It's just really exciting when there's this familiar face that enters in um, with the regulars. So that in itself puts it up to a five just because it's it's revisiting a character to give some continuity outside of the regulars. Um, there were some holes in the way things developed a little bit, but the, the, some of the jargon that was dropped was absolutely fantastic. Um, I love the Argus array, the, the, the enterprise, um, stretching off into 30,000 light year jump. Uh, these are the things like when I'm in mood for sci-fi, I want to see space shit like that. Um, and 
it's always recycled, but sometimes that still tastes okay. So for this episode, I would give it, I think I'm going to go with Kate. I'm going to do seven and a half uh, boastful checkmates. <laughs> mm. But I have been drinking out of this big ass Nalgene water Ooh. glass all day. And I've wet myself a few times. <laughs> There's Until a suppository you can take for that. <laughs> I took three. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you're not wearing pants, then they're still not wet. Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Twitter at ReEngageTNG to get updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various Cultural Bridge crew on social media. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Re-Engage is edited by Greg Tito and Jimmy G and sometimes Kate Yeager. Logo artwork by MojoJojo97 on Twitter. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for the traveler to re-engage.